Hi everyone, welcome back. We're Asiatic Affairs and this is um, Narratives of Asia podcast. I'm Angela and we're back again here today for another episode. Um, three Hong Kongers on a sofa, you, me and we. So before we launch into the more interesting stuff, we just wanted to use, use this opportunity to kind of let everyone know about Asiatic Affairs, like who we are and what we do. So we're, in brief, we're Asiatic Affairs. Um, we're a new UCL society looking to create a platform for students of all backgrounds to kind of engage in open, constructive discussions on issues in Asia. Um, from geopolitics to business, the environment and technology, we aim to raise awareness and increase engagement with issues um, in Asia, as well as looking at and also trying to understand um, their impact on the wider world. And if you're interested in what we do, um, definitely go check us out on our Facebook, Instagram, and also on Spotify at UCL Asiatic Affairs. So um, episode today, three Hong Kongers on a sofa, you, me, we. Um, it's part of um, our initiative. As nearing the one year mark for the start of the Hong Kong protest, we've decided to launch a online initiative, Hong Kong anti-extradition demonstrations one year ago today, um, to kind of raise awareness for the movement and also to debunk some myths regarding the movement's origins and also some core elements. So as part of our initiative, we've mainly we've been doing some social media features and also publish, publishing some articles, but we've also actually recently launched a online submissions platform, which is completely anonymous. And we've been trying to encourage people to use it as a sort of like a means of personal expression um, to kind of share anything of relevance to the, um, to the, to the initiative. Um, kind of a place where people can share their thoughts, question, um, opinions of the movement, but also ask questions and kind of share their confusions over aspects of the movement. So in the episode today in Narratives of Asia, it's going to be quite different to our usual structure in terms of um, the podcast that we've been doing. And especially if you've been with us all this time, you'll pick up on the how it's going to be a bit different. But essentially what we've done is with the confessions that we've received, the submissions that we've received, is we've collated them together and we're going to um, kind of go through them, read through them and kind of share with you snippets of people's um, experiences. Um, so that's our content for <laughs> and this episode, but also we've because we've actually received quite a few submissions, and thank you for everyone who submitted, but we've gonna split it up into two different episodes, um, one for today and one for um, another time. Um, so yeah, so if you've been following us for this, this time, um, you would have seen that we've already posted a few articles um, during this initiative. You may have seen one about uh, kind of the movement's key events, key features, and also the key actors in, uh, involved in the movement. Um, but, um, so yeah, so you should, you know, um, I mean, if you've, re if you've read through it, it basically contextualizes the whole thing. And we've, and actually we're here today with, I brought um, along a friend of mine. Um, do you want to introduce yourself now? <laughs> Hi guys, I'm Aiden. Uh, this is my first time on this podcast, so nice meeting you guys. Can't wait to read some confessions to you guys. I've actually submitted one myself, so look forward to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let's get started. Um, so the first one that we've got, um, so just to like re-elaborate that our confessions are completely anonymous and basically we're kind of touching on personal experiences and trying to um, go kind of, um, so that people have submitted their personal experiences. So it's all very much like raw, real feelings here. Um, so the first one actually is, um, um, I mean, I was the one who launched the platform. So the first submission was my own. And um, so th this was actually one that was dated and it was dated um, 16th of May because it's quite a recent kind of reflection. It was kind of my reflections that I kind of thought um, as I was um, planning for this um, project. So here we go. 
<laughs> it's a Saturday evening, 16th of May, and I'm on my way home. I look up and I see that it's a blue sky with white clouds. It was one of those spring days that seemed warm and cold at the same time. Enough blue to make a pair of sailor's trousers. Serious clouds overhead. I've realised that if I focused hard, like really hard, I could pretend that coronavirus was not happening around me and that it could just be like any other day in May. And by the same logic, if I focused really, really hard, I could try to forget the atrocities which plagued the 2019 summer and I could try to ignore the current situation in Hong Kong. I feel like that's the mentality of like a lot of people. Yeah. Because like for me with coronavirus, I can't just ignore like the whole thing is happening. But obviously with the whole Hong Kong situation, it's different because cause, like it's just closer to heart, I guess. That's why. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I mean, like you see, it's 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 so easy to just kind of like sit behind the walls and like close. Like I mean, it, when you're in quarantine, when you like you're in lockdown, you're not allowed to go out. It's so easy to just close everything around you and just pretend like nothing is happening. As as long as you don't go online, don't go on social media, it's so easy to surround yourself with this like kind of protection, um, mm-hmm. this closed offness, and it's so compelling to actually like buy buy into that and be like, okay, that that you know, it's so simple. Um, but frankly, th- like reflecting back on what happened last year. It just wasn't the case. It was impossible. Yeah. Because, mm-hmm. like, uh, actually in my room, I've put, I've like, some posters from, like, the protests from Hong Kong back when I was still in Hong Kong, which I picked some up. So I kind of put them up as decorations, which kind of reminds me of the movement, like, every single day. So even if I'm not on social media, I'll still be reminded. Maybe, like, subconsciously, I put, done that to like keep myself like reminded because maybe that's something I would never want to forget which is true I think mm-hmm. anyways let's move on to the next confession I followed the protests a lot last year and I know the positions are both hard to justify hence I haven't tried to get involved I've received a lot of information much of which sounds very bad on Facebook and Instagram there would be these posts of very distressing images of chopped hands and bitten off ears. None of which I got confirmation of its accuracy. There's a lot I don't know about the movement, and I feel like I would need to hear more testimonies from people on both sides of the protests. I mean, I'm so glad this person said um, that they want to hear more about testimonies from people, because this is essentially what we're doing here. Like, yeah. These are all personal experiences and personal like reflections and all like, questions like this one uh, about the movement. Um, and I mean, it'd be hard to deny that these um, these images were, you know, made up or like fake news because yeah. it really did happen. With especially with the Bisnoff is. Um, I think I know which um, event you were, you were referring to, but that was at, that had actually happened to my own district councillor, um, who in a conflict um, in the neighbourhood um, over like political differences, um, someone had just um, attacked him and went for his ear. And so what happened at the end of the day was that he had his ear bitten off. I mean, we're all quite upset about it because you wouldn't want that to be done for yourself. Yeah, I actually couldn't believe it when that actually happened because like a lot of images on Instagram and Facebook got flagged. Yeah, it's like I was like, is this made up? And then I actually went through it and like I just can't imagine like someone making that up. So I and then it actually happened. So 
actually to this day I'm still kind of shocked mm-hmm. but like given how like ridiculous the situation in Hong Kong is for the past year maybe that's just like a representation of the wider society I suppose I mean not not necessarily like a wider representation but like it's definitely been you know it's, it's happened and it, it wasn't the first time a conflict has happened like maybe yeah. maybe he was the only one who had his ear bitten off but like obviously things have happened and um there have been like rifts and um areas where people do, areas where it's con- gotten a bit violent um but yeah moving on to the next one um so at some point over the, over the summer last year, the protests in Hong Kong became not only the concerns of the Hong Kong people, but also the concerns of the global community. So when my ex-boyfriend in Taipei at the time posted his story on, of a picture of a park bench with the movement slogan, five demands, not one less, spray painted on it, I felt the urge to reply with a thumbs up and flexed biceps emojis to, um, uh, to acknowledge his support of the movement in Hong Kong. The conversation that followed was not something I had expected. Um, he struck open the conversation by telling me about the vandalized bench. Um, he said that within 10 minutes of him taking the picture, the slogan was then painted over immediately and simply disappeared. Um, so we began talking about it, the demonstration, and he asked if I was involved. I admitted that I was attending the demonstrations as an observer and was um, taking all the precautions possible to avoid arrest and confrontation with the police. I explained that out of concerns for the UK visa application, it would be unwise to be seen attending a rally or demonstration if it meant sabotaging my chances of starting university in September. And to which he said, it's worth it. Go get arrested for your country. Um, I'm no nationalist and believe that blind patriotism patriotism is no justifier for irrational and simply rash and stupid decisions. Actually, I've seen quite a lot of these slogans vandalized on like bus stops and like um, benches around the world. Mm-hmm. In the UK, actually, mm. I've seen several. I remember seeing one like quite close to UCL, and then I saw another one when I was visiting Cardiff Carter for Christmas, which is kind of nice because like it kind of tells me as a participant of the movement that we actually have like support overseas as well. Mm-hmm. And I think also, um, I mean, this is a really good this is a really good point to make about the vandalism. But actually, it's the vandalism that that was seen across across Hong Kong and also abroad. Obviously, like you said, that you've seen yourself. Um, it actually reflects a really key and prominent feature of the movement, which is um, in its kind of in um, what has been called now as protest art. And if you so go and um, reread the article that was launched early on the week about key features of the movement, this will help debunk um, kind of the movement and also the key features and what like um, kind of explain a little bit about the con- like the context, the background of each movement that you've seen. And one of the um, the topics that it touched upon the article, I think, it was about protest art and vandalism in terms of like spray painting like slogans words of support or like um you know just any a hashtag a trend um all of these like were very much um like seen um across hong kong during the movement because it, it, it felt as part of a like a really key crucial feature of it and quite a quite iconic and symbolic too um mm-hmm. yep let's move on to the next one uh it was on my return home from the protest I slipped off my black hoodie and shoved it into my bag as I slid into the crowd walking towards the MTR entrance at Admiralty. As I walked around the block, 
passing ticket machines, I realized that I had used up all the credit on my octopus card uh, on the journey Eatable. to the protest. I mean, like on a daily basis. And to top up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> However, behind me stood a row of ticket machines that were smashed in and vandalized with a black cross across the screen. All apart from one were out of service, and I quietly moved myself over to the machine to stand patiently behind a young boy and his father. Whilst I rarely concern myself with other people's businesses, I remember thinking how strange it was that of all the machines that were present, there was just one machine that remained working. It wasn't long before they realized my presence and moved aside to review what they were preoccupied with. The screen continued to flicker as tickets were printed and spat out through the flap below. Clenched in the boy's hands was a stack of adult single journey tickets. I glanced at the stack in his hand, the stack balance at the top of the machine and the pink tickets that continued to be spat out of the machine. I was impressed, truly. They were purging the only available ticket machine of train tickets to give to protesters that were in need of their travel expenses covered. So I stood there, gawking for a few minutes before the dad nudged the boy and told him to hand me a ticket. I was standing there, eyes widened and heart weakening as a boy. No more than nine years old, shoved a pink plastic ticket into my hand. I was moved deeply by this act of kindness. In the end, the ticket didn't allow me to exit at my stop as if it hadn't paid for the entire distance. However, that meant and that I was able to keep the ticket as a memento for the time when I felt warmed by the kind-heartedness of Hong Kong people. Whilst taken out of their allow- own allowances, to them it's not about the cost of the travel expenses, it's the sentiment embodied through helping each other. Supportive actions and shows of solidarity. Whilst I had already changed out of my protest attire and could not could afford to buy a ticket and catch the train, many hadn't had the chance to take off their protest gear as they rushed from one venue to another. Most simply, gate hopped the barrier entrances to access the trains. And until late in the evening, the father and son will remain guarding the ticket machine and giving out train tickets to guarantee protesters as a mean to return to their home. Actually, for MTL, like in the beginning of the protest, they weren't vandalized. So, like most people, like the father and son, they were actually like giving out like changes, like train tickets to protesters mm-hmm. so they can return home safely. But after like uh, the sudden incident on 31st of uh, August, the attitude towards uh, MTR, the train system in Hong Kong, completely changed. And then people started vandalizing the um, system. So I guess that's like a very good representation representation of like what actually happened and what changed towards the MTR system, I guess. Mm, yeah, I think for sure. But I think you're, you're actually missing the point of this piece. I think the person was really moved by this act of kindness. Yeah. It, I think, like, to them, it was, like... I mean, when it, when, I mean, they literally say, um, for that one time when I was felt warm by the kind-heartedness of Hong Kong people, I feel like this person has either 
not felt it before and this is like new to them or this was like really really warming but either way like it just shows that it was like a very a very different um atmosphere um of the entire like um community um during those times and very much so um there was some there was like solidarity felt amongst and um you know like things like this that happen i mean i, I, I don't witness this myself but like it's touching i feel like there was a general feeling that like hong kong people were cold before all of this happened because i i grew up in hong kong and i i was like taught like uh like don't talk to other people they might not be as nice as you think and then especially <laughs> with like big cities there's just like this general feeling that like people are just not nice to you but like obviously like me like this uh person who submitted the um confession come like change their attitude completely mm. towards like the general feeling yeah. of like or like character of like hong kong people mm-hmm. mm. next one oh so this actually touches upon the incident that um aiden had just mentioned about august 13th uh, 31st sorry <laughs> um <laughs> so it wasn't until much later when i found out that my dad was actually present during the prince edward station incident on august 31st in brief, um, the incident involved the, um, involved the alleged riot police storming of Prince Edward MTR and were seen beating people with their batons inside train carriages and deploying people pe- um, pepper spray, with many passengers seen to be cowering and bleeding. Um, the person has quoted here, like they've just taken, they've literally just quoted off um, a, news, a, a media outlet, Hong Kong Free Press. Um, so during the instant, um, so carry on. During the instant, the police were seen assaulting both protesters and commuters alike. And the date um, eight three one, so August thirty first, has since gone down as one of the key turning points of the movement. According to him, he initially saw sixty protesters running into the carriage and all started to degear and change into their attire. Um, commuters like himself on the train wanted to get home, and a couple confronted the protesters and, ple- and pleaded with them to get off so the rest could get home safely. What started off as a verbal fight turned into a series of umbrella throwing before someone set off the fire alarm. Mass panic ensued before someone called the police. Whilst he had left just before the fire alarm went off and was unharmed, um, to hear it from his perspe- to hear it from his perspective was unsettling. With plenty of TV footage to indulge in, there had been this distance between your, your person and also the incident itself. Um, but for my own family member to have had been at the scene of action, um, that was a further reminder of how much movement had truly impacted our lives. Nothing, nothing about the summer of 2019 was normal. Uh, the, uh, this news outlet in Hong Kong called RTHK actually did like a full-on uh, documentary about this incident. So if you're actually interested in finding more about the details of like what actually happened on that day, mm-hmm. uh, please make sure to check that out because mm-hmm. it's actually very like well made. Yeah. I feel like. Let's move on to the next one. Uh, compared to the uh, to the many people who are in Hong Kong present during the introduction of the extradition bill and the first of the protests back in late March, early April, I was rather slow in coming to the scene. It wasn't until the morning of 30th of July when I properly realized that the movement wasn't just something you saw happening on the screen. When I'm seeing firsthand the civil unrest caused by the non-cooperation movement at my local MTR station made me aware of the severity of the situation. Previously, I remember joking with my family how the disturbances were never going to reach our neighborhood. We lived in a nice residential area. 
set slightly apart from areas that were prone to chaos and community disputes. And it was simply unlikely for conflict of any sort to take place near our home. But it did. And if it wasn't for the suspension in train services during the morning rush hour on that particular morning, forcing me to queue for the bus, I wouldn't have realized <laughs> until much later on that there was no choice as to whether I wanted to get involved. Everyone was touched by it in some way, and you simply were just there. At the center of the action alongside everyone else. It was daily life. Whilst it may have seemed an inconvenience at the time and made me late for work, it made me realize that the movement wasn't this non-interacting climate. This wasn't this non-interacting climate, separate to my daily life, but one that affected people of all social categories and backgrounds, both out of fear for personal safety, but also because it became something so recurrent in my daily life that it became impossible to ignore. I began to get more emotionally involved. There are certain things that once you see for the first time, you won't be able to unsee. Similarly, the protests of that summer and implications on daily life was like an elephant in the room, unspoken, unspoken of at home due to its sensitivity, but impossible to neglect. Mm. Yeah, very much so. Like back then, there was this um, kind of this air where it was like. Um... I know, like this, when the events were happening, there was this air where some, in some families at least, actually, like on the news, actually, there were a lot of these uh, reports of people break, um, like relationships um falling mm, out, yeah. um, people divorcing because of political differences. Yeah, um, obviously these happen in households as well, which is why, which is probably why the person was like, um, was like an elephant in the room, unspoken of at home due to sensitivity, but impossible to neglect. Um, but. I mean, yeah, like like the person said, I completely agree. It was daily life, like you know, regardless of like, I mean, where where you position yourselves in the whole thing, like whether you were involved or you weren't, um, like what you thought. Well, even if you were abroad, actually, like if you were in Hong Kong, like yeah. it's still it's still it still impacted like your you know your how you felt. Like it, it, it yeah. well, for me, it gave me anxiety. So there we go. Um, but about like the morning rush hour and the and the train thing, like um, civil disturbances, like unrest, that yeah. definitely happened. Um, I remember like when I was working over the summer as well, like there'll be days where you just didn't know whether your colleagues were gonna show up to work. And you didn't know whether you yeah. were gonna be able to get to work as well. Um, Cause you, yeah. you could be waiting there at the bus station or like just not knowing whether the trains were gonna work for like hours until yeah. things stopped. And it was just like bizarre. Um, yeah. Actually, like I still remember like quite vividly how annoyed my supervisor was <laughs> like on the first like non- cooperation movement but then her attitude just gradually changed because i i can't speak for her but i feel like she just actually like like many like hong kong people they just started to empathize with the people like taking part mm. in the non-cooperation movement more but obviously many people were still like very annoyed because like like you see how like uh protests in hong kong mainly used to at, at least used to they it may just take place on the weekends and then go mm-hmm. back to work like you just go back to work on like weekdays mm-hmm. so like you can see how important work is to hong kong people mm-hmm. and then like obviously people are going to be annoyed so i actually really like empath- empathize and like understand why people were so annoyed yeah i mean it's all balance of like um you know work during the week and then you've got the protests on the weekends like i mean it's just 
everyone like the tensions the emotions like you're so high and so like peak like everyone just needs a break yeah. um and on that but note obviously things have changed because like recently people just go to like protest during lunch breaks like after work so like circumstances have definitely changed in hong kong but i feel like actually looking back it's kind of like interesting because like you see how it's actually kind of the same movement but how much it has changed mm-hmm. so there's that Anyway. Yeah, I think we'll I think we'll um um about like how the movements change, I think, um, with a few of the submissions that came slightly later, um, slightly more recently, are quite they quite t- touch upon a few things about um the current situation. Um and so on that note <laughs> about the breaks, uh, we need to break ourselves here. Um so that's all we really have the time for today because we don't want to make this too long for you. And uh, obviously today we've already had a lot of perspectives, a lot of um pe- people's personal experiences about the um first few months of the movement, especially focusing on during the summer. Um and so we'll be carrying on with the same um structure and also be carrying on with the same things. We'll just be reading out a few more confessions, a few more experiences that we've picked up to share with everyone else in our next episode. Um, but as always, um, before we end off, we just wanted to let everyone know, remind everyone of um, what Narratives of Asia really is. So Narratives of Asia, so what you've heard today and what you've seen in our hopefully in our Spotify channel, is a new branch of Asiatic Affairs, which kind of takes the form of a podcast channel. We drop rep- episodes as regularly as we can. Um, where we host either one-to-one discussions or kind of group discussions or interviews um, about a particular current issue or trending topic of choice. Um, this could be an issue that one of our writers are currently working on or an idea pitched by one of our listeners. And right now, obviously, we're working on this um, this two-week online um, initiative, which is kind of what um, this is kind of falls into because it's all part of this two-week initiative that we're doing. But, um, and definitely, yeah, our initiative, um, Hong Kong Anti-Extradition Demonstration 2019, one year ago today. Um, so if you like what you heard so far and um, you want to be featured on our channel on in other weeks, in other projects, and other initiatives, or you have an idea for our next episode, um, simply drop us a line via any of our social media platforms on Instagram or Facebook or email us directly at uclazaticaffairs at gmail.com. Um, so finally, um, that's it. That's it now for today. And um, this has been three Hong Kongers on a sofa, you, me, and we, and we are Asiatic Affairs, and this is Narratives of Asia.